For a lot of people, digital marketing is a painful, thorny field of procrastination. Some people seem to move easily through the field and others seem to snag on every single thorn. The reasons for this normally have a lot less to do with the tech and everything to do with their mindset. This week, my guest is Deepa Natarajan, a high-performance coach who works with some of the biggest tech companies in the world. In this week's episode, she shines a light on what we can all do to take these mindset issues in hand and start moving towards our goals without the traditional hustle and grind we're all used to hearing about. Hi there and welcome back to Amplify, the digital marketing entrepreneurs podcast. I'm Bob Gentle and every week I'm joined by amazing people who share what makes their business work. If you're new, then you can take a second right now to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes and you can also grab some older ones when you're finished with this one. Don't forget to join our Facebook community. You'll just visit amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders and you'll be taken right there. So welcome along and let's meet Deepa. So this week, my guest on the podcast is Deepa Natarajan. Um, Deepa, do you want to maybe start just by introducing who you are, where you are and the kind of work you do? And also welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you so much, Bob. Thanks for inviting me to the show. It's a real privilege to talk to you. And well, my name is Deepa Natarajan. I'm Indian. I live in France, in Toulouse, in the southwest of France. Well, what I do is I coach people. I help people make change happen. I help people, I help organizations make change happen. That's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. And before I did that, I was in the IT industry. I was a geek. So I don't know um, if uh, you know what that means. So I made a complete 180 degree switch from being a geek to understanding how do humans work? How are we wired? And why do we function the way we function? I think for me, that was particularly interesting because how geeks work is different from how other people work. And I think looking at the kind of clients you have typically worked for as a coach, it's quite telling you work with geeks a lot. (laughs) So for me and my audience, I think that's particularly useful. And I think also there are lots of different coaches, lots of people claim to be coaches, but you kind of put your money where your mouth is. You are a proper coach and you work with some big hitters. So I was very keen to have you on the show and see if I can maybe pick your brain for some of our listeners. Obviously, you can't coach everybody on a podcast, but I think everybody that has a little self-reflection will hopefully be able to get something out of our conversation. (laughs) I like the word that you mentioned, a proper coach. And uh, thank you for really mentioning that because there's a lot of myths out there because everybody can call themselves a coach. And when you go to an engineering school, you get a degree saying that you're an engineer, but how, how do you know you're a coach or not? So there are proper standards and ICF is the International Coach Federation offers a certain standards of coaching. So a coach is for me, someone who goes to a coaching school and who practices the profession of coaching and earns money through that practice of coaching. I, I agree with you. Um, I think there is a distinction possibly between those people who are coaching on a very particular technical topic. For example, I work with clients doing coaching around their own digital marketing, but I would never put my hand up and say, I'm a professional coach. It's the difference between a professional football coach and somebody who helps on a Saturday with the kids. Hmm. And it, But it is important, I think, for everybody to understand there is a difference. 
and looking at some of the people you've worked with, people like Procter and Gamble, Airbus, and IBM, they're they're big names and they're looking for results. And I'm keen to understand when that kind of organization comes to you. What's led to that? What what is the pain point that they've gone? We need to fix something here. Thank you. Well, that's a very good question. Who comes to the coaching? Who asks for the coaching? Does the person who need the coaching ask for the coaching or is it usually their boss or is it usually the HR? Very often managers want coaching for their teams. People come to me and say, my team is not functioning. My colleagues are not collaborating with me. Can you go help my colleagues? Can you coach my colleagues? Can you coach my team? Very often people feel that the change is out there to make. But actually, like Mahatma Gandhi says, like, be the change that you want to be in the world. So coaching actually starts with you as a person whenever you feel the problem is out there. And that's my invitation to whoever is listening is the minute you feel that the problem is out there, that's exactly when you need to start working on yourself. We all have a gap. We're constantly in a gap, no matter how much we grow our leadership. And it's about like, how can I close that gap and how can I work towards it? So to answer your questions, very often it's the manager who says, can you please coach two of my executive team members because one, they have a conflict between each other or because one is very arrogant or it's very aggressive um, in the way he's talking. So can you please coach him? So that's usually where the demand comes from. And what does the process then look like when you have somebody sitting in front of you and it's, hello, I'm going to be your coach. How does that conversation <laughs> go from that point? Are they, are they generally open to it or, or are they reluctantly enduring it? Uh, very often when organizations come and ask for coaching and especially when they ask for a particular team member to be coached and the team member has the first rendezvous with me and says, okay, well, I think I need coaching um, facing these struggles. Usually the team member will come and tell me something like I struggle to convince my colleagues. So I could immediately remove my coaching hat and say, well, then you need to go to an influencing training program and not come to me as a coach. So people come to the coaching with a certain objective, but that's usually not what they actually are looking for. So I start to unpeel and usually in organizations, when I see a client and they tell me that this is a problem and that I'm facing, I only hear the client's perspective and I don't know what's going around in his environment. I don't know how he's showing up in his environment. So I usually run a, t a 360 degree survey. I use uh, the leadership circle, which is a very well-known leadership model. And I start to understand what's the profile of this person and how is he reacting in his organization. And then I find out through the profile that actually he's perhaps being seen by his colleagues as somewhat very arrogant. And if I dig deeper and peel uh, the layers, um, he starts to tell me that I talk about my achievements. And then I understand that for him, a way to tell people a way to convince people is to talk about his achievements, talk about the achievements of the team. But in fact, that he has created an unintended impact on his colleagues as being perceived as someone who's very arrogant and very proud. And if I peel the layers further, I actually start to see that this is coming from a very deep relationship that he had with his father, where he didn't feel seen by his dad. So the, uh, we, he came to the coaching 
to actually learn skills to convince his colleagues, but we actually end up creating a different frame of mind for the person. Mm, that's very intimate. Uh, it's, it's very different from the sort of superficial task specific coaching that I'm used to. It's really verging on workplace psychology, which is very interesting. And I think, how long do you normally work with people on that basis? <laughs> Good question. Well, companies usually want results very quickly. Mm. So usually start off my coaching journey on for three months, nothing less than three months. I work with clients between three months to three years. And sometimes if it's a profile, a very high profile and the goals are very high and I see that the stage of adult development that the person is in, that is the complexity of the mind that the person holds versus the complexity of the task he has or he or she has in hand is much higher, then the person is definitely not the good fit. And we're not going to be able to make that shift in three months time. And that's a call to take for the management. What do we do in such cases? Yeah, I think it really, I guess, comes down for them to a, a risk reward analysis. What's the value of this person being at peak performance? And is it worth continued investment? And I think if they've got the right people in place, it probably is. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go <laughs> When on. you talk about risk and reward, um, coaching is expensive. I have invested in a coach and every time I hesitate to invest in a coach, but every time I invested in a coach, I, let's say I decide to get a coach and pay 4,000 euros. I have seen my business produce 40,000 euros plus of revenue that year. Every year I've invested in a coach, I see a 10 X performance in terms with, um, okay, sorry, I see a 10 X performance vis-a-vis -vis the initial investment that I put for a coach. Yeah. So I've always seen huge returns. And the question you may ask, but what is the direct cor correlation? Like, I'm not talking about my business with my coach. I'm talking about perhaps my marriage or I'm talking about my relationship with my daughter, or I'm talking about how I feel that I don't have discipline in my life. But then how does that actually equate to me growing my client base? There's no direct relationship. I can totally see that. I think it's often said causation does not equal correlation. Correlation doesn't equal causation. And I guess what you're talking about is the law of unintended consequences. If you start working on yourself or have, have worked with somebody else, that's going to impact lots of different areas that you hadn't expected, really negatively, I imagine. Exactly, exactly. And basically what happens is like very often we try to shift behaviors in people because we know that behaviors lead to results. So for instance, let's take a simple example. Let's say you have a commitment to go to the gym three times a week, but you don't end up going to the gym. We push ourselves very hard to change our behavior to get there. And when we don't, we criticize ourselves, we judge ourselves, we think that we're not determined, we don't have the discipline. But actually, where's that behavior coming from? That behavior is coming from the stories that we tell ourselves. That behavior is coming from the assumptions that we hold. So let's say that I have a certain assumption that if I talk about my achievements, like in this case, right, uh, of my client, that if I talk about my achievements, then I will be able to convince people. I will be able to motivate people. And therefore, I, I try to do that. But if I hold an assumption that if I talk about myself, then 
I will be seen as being too proud. And so therefore, what will happen as a behavior is I'll never talk about myself. I'll never put myself out there in front of other people. And because I don't want to be seen as being someone very proud. And where does, and therefore that has an impact on the results. But where does all these stories and where do all these assumptions come from? They come from our childhood. They come from the way we were brought up, our social conditioning, from the events, from things that we observe. And so in coaching, we actually go down to these deeper layers. Like we're not interested in the stories, but we're interested in how these assumptions and stories have gotten formed so that we can actually start to rewire the way a person is thinking so that they can show up differently. I was going to ask you about that next, because I think when you work with a coach, you start to shine a light on the reasons why you do certain things. And that makes it very easy to maybe moderate your behavior in certain areas. But how do you then maybe look at leading people towards being more intentional about things that are often much harder? So if you're, if you're used to behaving, I'll, I'll use your, your example, if, if you're used to keeping people at, at a distance in the workplace and you now understand, okay, I need to get closer to people this is being really crude but mm -hmm. getting closer to people in the workplace is actually quite difficult because you're not used to being vulnerable on that level or having actual relationships beyond a command and control environment how do you move people towards those more difficult things well people hold myths around vulnerability um, I don't do vulnerability. That's one of the myths of vulnerability. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's another myth that people can hold that uh, one of the myths, the other myths of vulnerability is I'm strong and I don't need to show my emotions because if I show my emotions, then people will take advantage of me. So we all build up stories around that. But then if we don't show our feelings, if we don't talk about our opinions, our personal opinions that we have and how we feel in the workplace, then we lose that precious connection with people. When we create an armor around us and talk only through techniques and technical stuff, and we don't show up fully as to who we are with our fears and with our courage, then people don't get to know us. And when people don't get to know us, it's hard to build connections. So yes, people have lots of fears around it. And these fears have been built up through the education. For example, uh, maybe someone's mom or dad said to them when they were shot, well, come on, don't cry about it. <laughs> come on, get on, move on with it. Like there's no time for feelings or emotions. Let's go get it done. So, well, they all meant it in good intentions. They had, our parents had very good intentions, irris irrespective of the mistakes that they made. They wanted the best for us, but they just didn't know how to do that. And it's a lot about unwinding those assumptions. I think where we're coming to now is really getting to the guts of why I really wanted to speak to you on this podcast, because a lot of people listening, they might be thinking, this is the Digital Marketing Entrepreneur Show. Why is he talking to a coach? And for me, this is really important because you and I sort of both move around the same internet entrepreneur, digital marketing <laughs> entrepreneur world. And... I was really keen to get your insight into what it is when you observe that world from the outside that, that consistently holds people back. And if you were their coach, um, what might you suggest to them? 
I mean, this is a very general question, but you must have observed some commonalities among the online entrepreneur world. Mm. Well, okay, two things to answer your question. The first is, why did you why did you get a coach on digital entrepreneurship co podcast, right? Um, mm. Well, very often, when we see a problem, we see a technical problem in front of us. Let me give you an example. Let's say your car is not functioning. What do you do? You take the car to the garagist. You basically get an expert. You give it time. You give it money to fix the problem. So there are, we solve hundreds of technical problems a day. And there are other problems which are called adaptive problems. Now let's say the, go back to the simple example of joining the gym, right? It's very easy. Go to the gym. You know the way to go to the gym. You know how to subscribe. Uh, you know, you know the way there and you know what to do out there, but you're not able to do it. So it's not a technical problem, but it's rather an adaptive problem. It's an adaptive problem, which means it's got to do with mindset. So for instance, if you have a client who needs to maybe let's say very simple, put his or her picture on Instagram and talk about the work that they do and they feel very shy and reluctant to do that. Well, do they have a technical issue in doing that? No, they know how to get a good photographer. They know what to write and how to put it, but they still don't do it. So there's something got to do behind with that mindset as to what's limiting me from going out there and putting my picture out there. So behind, when we see that the technical issues, we're not able to solve them, we're procrastinating around them or something's holding me back. And I think that it's a technical issue. Well, I'm not satisfied with the picture. That doesn't look good. The color of my t-shirt is not nice. Well, that's not the problem. There's something behind that. So my advice is look behind that layer. Like what's actually getting in the way? Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And this is really where I wanted to go because when I work with all kinds of business owners, you are absolutely right. Very rarely are there technical barriers to success. It's almost all the inner world that's causing the problems. And so, you're not the only one and I'm not the only one. We all have those. <laughs> we all hmm. have those negative voices. We all have a lot of unwinding to do. We all have a lot of unlearning to do. So the faster you get on this journey, the faster you're going to meet your potential. And one of the things that you have written on your website, which it, again, it stood out for me a little bit was achieve your goals with peace and ease. <laughs> now, let's just sort of hold that there for a moment and then contrast that with the traditional digital marketing, Gary Vaynerchuk, hustle and grind, work from five in the morning till midnight. What, what, what is it that's behind that achieve your goals with peace and ease thing? Because for me, that sounds very appealing. Peace and ease, that's my middle name. Um. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, I'll tell you why I put that, because I think we attract the clients that we are. <laughs> we attract people that we are. So I was in search of that ease and peace myself. Uh, to rewind a little bit on my story, I grew up in a very middle-class family in India. And when I was nine years old, I used to sit on a Bajaj Vespa scooter 
and my father had a little seat in front and my mom two behind and I used to sit on top of the petrol tank and so my only ambition at the point of time was to have a cushion below my ass (laughs) (laughs) and um, but the education that I received from my parents was that work hard if you don't work hard you won't be going to this private school and I bet my dad had all the good intentions when he said that, but that remained in my brain. And so the only thing I knew was like, run, Forrest, run, like work hard, Deepa, work hard. And so every time I would work hard and chase my goals and chase my goals and keep changing, chasing goals, and I achieved a lot in my life very quickly. And then I asked myself, well, for what? For the sake of what am I doing all this? Like, when does it actually get easy? And I see myself, uh, and I saw myself, in fact, sorry, I saw myself... Uh, being very action biased. I saw myself being a perfectionist, wanting to do everything right. I saw myself being very self-sufficient, very independent, very strong woman, never asking for help, never leaning on other people. And while I did create success for myself, how did it impact my relationships with others? That was the biggest question. And so when we become these kind of very strong, independent, action biased, future focused, perfectionist, Uh, It impacts the way we actually enjoy the beauty of life. And there's so much more to life um, than just living in the future. There's a present, which is so beautiful, and we miss that. And that's why I wanted people to stop pushing themselves and lead a life that comes with ease because it's this inner dialogue in us that pushes us. It's okay to work 10 hours a day. I'm not saying don't work 10 hours a day and work like four hours a day, but become aware of why are you working 10 hours a day? What about the time that you need, that you really deserve? What are you doing those things that you really love to do? I guess there is no final destination in life. I mean, goal setting is, is if you're constantly living in the future, then it makes it very difficult to live in the now. Yeah, I can't remember what it was I was reading recently, but a lot of people, they are so future focused, they lose sight of the fact that actually there is no such thing as future. There is only now. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, happiness is in the here and now. So yeah. <laughs> so that's that's basically it. I, I, I have learned it the hard way. I know how to stop. I know how to take a walk in the nature. I know how to bike. I know how to cook. Um, and enjoy that time cooking. It's not a task that I need to get over so that I can go on. Because we bring a sense of value into the world by being just us. We don't need our achievements to feel a sense of self-worth. We don't need to be the smartest person to feel a sense of self-worth. We don't need to please other people and make other people happy to feel a sense of self-worth. And that's the journey for me in terms of being able to achieve your goals with peace and ease of mind is achieve your goals for the sake of achieving them and not for the sake of your ego and not for the sake of feeling, wow, this is who I am. No. I think something I would like to talk about is one very, very common issue that I think most small business owners have when they start to look at digital marketing is they very quickly discover, I'm going to have to become visible. There's very little avoiding that if you are especially a small business owner. And that raises all kinds of issues, all kinds of insecurities and worries about effectively rejection. And often it's quite unconscious. People just avoid the whole idea because they have an unconscious anxiety that somebody might 
reject them. For those people who come into my world, they start to become conscious of that. But what I'm keen to hear from you is what strategies might you offer somebody who is anxious about that kind of rejection? Hmm. It's a very good uh, question. I had my own anxieties when I started my podcast, Meet My Potential. I had those exact anxieties as to what would my family say if they heard me? What would my neighbors say? What will they think of me? And we actually are afraid of the shame that it'll hit us with. Because shame is, um, I'm not good enough, I'm bad, or this wasn't good. And shame actually leads us to disconnection with the others. And we go into this cave and become a hermit. And so it's, there's this huge sense of fear, which, is un, which you can't understand and you can't reason and logic with it, Bob, because uh, it's in our bodies that, just, that fear just grips us. So my advice would be take small steps, do a small little test. So for example, a small little test would be get 10 people around and speak about something that you would do, let's say in your first podcast or in the first post that you're making in digital marketing and speak about it and, and get a feedback. Like, what does that feel like? Because we make lots of stories in our head that people will reject us, people won't like it. So start with small tests. I'm not asking you to jump off the cliff and increase the level of complexity of these tests and then go back and actually ask feedback from people. And when you do that, the most important thing is make an observation. Come back and journal. When I actually spoke about a particular topic and I came out of that discussion, how did I feel about it? How do I think others felt about it? How does this impact the situation? So make an observation on three things. How did I feel? How, did, how do I feel others felt about it? And how did it impact the situation? Yeah, I think that's very well aligned with the kind of advice I would give. I often recommend baby steps to, to assimilate into a new situation because I think jumping, for example, straight into a YouTube channel, that's a huge leap if you've never even pointed a camera at yourself. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's very good advice. Yeah, and the most important part of that advice is actually go back and make a note. Like, you know, unlike Charles Darwin, when he set out on his uh, big ship, right? He had a little notebook, and I see that image, uh, where he was actually noting data. So make those notes, because what happens is you want to make the learning more conscious. So each time you make an observation of how you show up and when you do something, what's the impact of it around, you want to rewire your brain. So to rewire your brain, it's important to actually write about it because then you start to write the new story of yourself. That's such a good idea. I think if what I have in mind is these old mad scientists from the movies writing down or recording their experiment notes, but actually treating yourself as a laboratory, treating each exercise as a, an experiment recording the results you're right i mean that does build those new neural pathways towards seeing things a little differently and feeling differently about things exactly exactly because we're talking about years of unlearning that is actually not stored in our brain but that's stored in our body i really like that yeah. i think a lot of people listening they might be thinking why are they talking about sort of being finding things like personal branding emotionally challenging well, if that's your reaction to it, that's not you. But a large proportion of people do feel very anxious about 
becoming effectively very visible on a, on a large scale, which is what I like to, what, it, what it takes to build an online business. Um, yeah, so yeah, and my only answer would be, let the light shine on you. Be yourself. That's who you're meant to be. And that's why you were born is to be yourself and allow yeah. yourself to be seen. That's the biggest gift you can give yourself. Well, that's a very nice way to leave maybe that segment. I would like to maybe move on to talking about your business, what what you are working towards at the moment. What does your world look like just now? And where do you want it to go? <laughs> well, um, well, as I was in the IT industry before and kind of like got geeky and expert and I switched to becoming a coach, I kind of got geeky and expert on becoming a coach. And I was kind of in my own little bubble of coaching my clients and I worked with the same clients over and over again and I kept getting work through references and that was enough for me that was enough for me to grow my business but then now I know and I see that I'm expanding my client base slowly and slowly and I want to actually shift gears and move on and meet new people and impact new people I want to help more entrepreneurs and I want to get on the online coaching business and that's a new journey for me and that's how we met uh, at the Youpreneur Summit so yeah that's the journey mm. I'm on it's a learning curve for me I think world of coaching should really watch out that's all I'm saying I, I'm also curious to know when I speak to coaches they often come across as very competent confident they know where they're going they know what they're doing they know how they're getting there but what, what is it at the moment that you feel, actually, I'm unsure about this, I'm anxious about this, or this is your particular struggle? Hmm. My struggle is right now to say, I don't know. <laughs> hmm. And uh, to actually lean into uncertainty and uh, walk around this maze of a new world of online coaching and from being um, in a very humble way, uh, being an expert uh, coach to now saying, well, I'm a complete no voice and I have no clue and I'm asking for help and I'm getting a lot of help from many people, including you and great advice from you. So thank you, Bob, for our earlier conversations. Um, and so it's trusting that the environment that I'm in with the people I'm surrounded with are giving me the right advice and trying and experimenting. So I kind of feel like a baby, like a seven-year-old baby playing with new toys all the world again and learning and experimenting. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully that never goes away because that's really where all the fun is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's all a journey, right? So have fun and uh, be a little playful. And yeah, while there is a goal, there is an objective. Um, I really feel that, well, I'm on this learning uh, curve and uh, just experiment and just be playful. Yeah. Deepa Natarajan, you've been a fantastic guest. Um, I'm going to come towards the end by asking you the same question. I try and remember to ask every guest and I've been awesome with it recently. What's one thing you do now that you wish you'd started five years ago? <laughs> I wish I'd started to have this mindset that I can do things with ease and peace of mind, <laughs> which actually means that I wish I knew how to work less and not beat myself up five years ago. 
And so I'd like to leave a message for the audience to say that you're fine just as you are and you're brilliant and you're creative and you're in a unique manifestation of creation and there's nothing you need to do. Even though there might always be a gap, there's always a gap, but accept yourself just as you are. And that's what I would wish for you. Yeah, and there's a lot in that. Deepa, if people want to connect with you, how would you like them to do that? Very simply, Deepa Natrajan on LinkedIn, or you can reach out to me by email, deepa at meetmypotential.com. And you mentioned to me that you would like to make a pretty generous offer. I know, and I feel very scary, and it's a gulp (laughs) of an offer that I'm making because I know how precious my time is. I know how busy I am. And you've been such a great help to me. And so I'd like to offer this for your audience. So if anybody, or at least for the first 10 people who send me an email, I'm willing to offer you a 45 minute coaching session. So for the first 10 people who listen to Bob's episode and send me an email at Deepa, sorry, send me an email to Deepa at meetmypotential.com. I'd be happy to talk to them. And if you're listening and you have a, and any kind of urge to think, ooh, that sounds good, jump in. Because it always surprises me actually how few people do make the effort to step out and take up amazing offers like this. Deepa, you've been a fantastic guest. Thank you so much for your time. I really can't wait to see you again sometime. But for now, thank you very much. Thanks, Bob. For those listening to Bob's episode, do go give him a good rating on iTunes. He's a great host. He has lots of advice to give you. Thank you so much, Bob, for inviting me. (laughs) Thank you. The goals you have for your business matter to you. You set them for a reason. And if you're one of the majority who, if you're honest, find that the reasons you don't achieve what you wanted because you procrastinated on the things you find uncomfortable with, then start leaning into those things, not avoiding them. Perhaps take up Deepa's offer of that free call and see what happens. Before I go, just a quick reminder to subscribe. And if you haven't already, then join our Facebook group. You'll find it at amplifyme.fm forward slash insiders. I would love for you to connect with me on social media. Follow me wherever you hang out. You'll find me at Bob Gentle. If you do follow me or connect with me, let me know and I'll follow you back. If you enjoyed the show, then I would love for you to review it on iTunes. It would mean a lot to me and it's the very best way to help me reach new subscribers. My name's Bob Gentle. Thanks again to Deepa for giving us her time this week and to you for listening. See you next week. <laughs>